0: Okay, Um, good morning, church. Just as I get set up, should we um, turn to someone near you and say hello? And you may want to say, what is your favorite part of Christmas? There you go. Okay, alrighty, um, I'm going to kick that, right, so we are now in um, the Christmas time, we're now in Advent, uh, we are now in that time where we, um, we remember how Jesus came to the world 2,000 years ago, um, fully God, fully human which is a sermon in itself. I will leave that to you, John, for another time. Um, but I just uh, before, we, before we really sort of zone in on Christmas, I just want us to think about the story which Christmas finds itself in for a few minutes, and then we're going to zone in on Christmas again as we come into land. Um, so as we do that, I've just got four points up here, which some of you may be familiar with, some of you may not. That's all good either way. Um, But I'm just going to use these four points to um, kind of remind us and unpack what the gospel is, what the good news about Jesus is. Because it's not just that Jesus was born, cool story, see you later, as a lot of us know. There is a full, wider good news story to it. Righty, so, the four points. The first one is the heart. Um, The heart, for me, it, it reminds me that we believe that God is overflowing in love. Before creation, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were in perfect community, loving on one another. And then this love overflowed and spilled out onto creation. God said that uh, the world is good when He made it. And He said that men and women are very good. He loves us. We were made from love and we were made for love. Second point the X. So, however, starting with Adam and Eve, we have all made mistakes. We've all messed up, we've all sinned, we've all turned away from God. We're all in the same boat on that one. Uh, there's, there's no perfect person, apart from one, who we'll get to in a moment, Jesus. Um, but the result of our sin is distance from God, which is really, really significant uh, with eternal ramifications. Thankfully, that's not the end of the story, otherwise it wouldn't be good news. So we've still got two points to go. And the third point is the cross, bottom left. The Father sent his only Son. And that is the Christmas story which we're going to be zoning in on. Jesus lived the perfect life we could not, and he died the death that we deserve for our sins. Jesus took our verdict of sin on him, and then in return, we, choose, well, we uh, get his verdict of beloved son, yeah. beloved daughter. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul phrased it this way, and this is a bit of a mouthful, so I'll say it twice. For our sake, the Father made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, the Father made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that's getting at what Jesus did on the cross, kind of the Easter story, why he came at Christmas, and what was was the result of the cross. Our skins are scarlet red, but Jesus says, I've come to make you white as snow. And that is good news. That is such good news. I've put my life on that news. And then number four, the question mark. Your move, chief. How do we respond? Simple as that. How do we respond to his outstretched arm? And the Father has instigated the greatest rescue mission in the history of the world with this good news. He has closed the gap. And Jesus tells a story in Luke 15 which reflects and absolutely leaks this good news. So if we could have the next slide, please. That would be awesome. If you want to blow the dust off your Bibles, you can go for it or flick up an app on your phone um, or we'll have it on the screen. So this is a story that Jesus told, um, which kind of reflects these four points, which shows the good news. I'm just going to read it right now. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Oh, sorry, if I haven't said where this is, actually, this is Luke 15, to 24. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So we had those four points initially, which I just went through. And then I think this story... um, gives us a picture of those four points again. It gives us a picture of the gospel, the good news. So I'm just going to go through um, the story and break it down into four parts and show us how we get that. So part one of the story, the heart. Uh, The son started off in a place of plenty. He had steak on the plate, vegetarian and gluten-free options available too. He had a future. He had possibilities. He had someone who really believed in him. And he had the comfort of knowing that he is loved. He had an inheritance in all ways, positively. Part two of the story, the ex. The younger son turns his back on his dad, on his family. The son's actions reach the height of dishonor, as we'll unpack in a second. And at the same time, the hurt that he would have caused, his, his dad and his family would have cut to the very core. He is ungrateful. The younger son is ungrateful and dissatisfied with what he already has. He has chosen greed over intimacy and a future with his father and family. He is showing that he has no value for his father's life. He's like, give me the money. I want the money. I want my inheritance now. And after all of that, he messes everything up completely. Again, thankfully, that is not the end of the story. Part three, the cross. The younger son realizes he's really messed up. A flicker of a memory pops into his mind about who his father is and what his father's about and what it's like on his father's land. The son prepares his speech and then a scene with staggering beauty unfolds. The father joyfully and scandalously makes a way for his son to come home and not only that but be fully his son again. The father closes the gap. Part four of the story. The question mark. How does the younger son react? And he has a choice. And and we may think this is a no-brainer choice. Like, come on, that's, that's not a choice. Of course you're going to accept the father's love. But it's funny how, I include myself in this, we react sometimes to unexpected, overwhelming, and undeserved love whether it's insecurity or just self-defense mechanisms or just don't know how to deal with it, particularly the British, we're just like, oh, gosh. Uh, But yeah, he has a choice. And we often call this story the prodigal son. Prodigal meaning uh, to spend uh, lavishly and excessively and wildly, that phrase, wild living. And a chap called Tim Keller has said, actually, I think we've got the wrong focus on that. And he writes a book called The Prodigal God. And that actually, I really, really recommend this, by the way. I try to give it away heaps. It's a really good read, pretty simple wording. It's not complicated. He's not trying to jam a million words per page. Really, really good. The story, as Tim Keller makes the point, is far more about the father's actions than it is the son's. It is far more about the father scandalously and excessively pouring out his love on the son and on those who turn to him. Those who are intent on just coming in humility and saying sorry. And those who will let themselves be wrapped up in his arms. As I said, the story of this prodigal dad is a representation of the good news. It represents these four points. We had that first layer of the four points which we just went through. And then we've got this other layer of the story. And it really reflects that. And there is so much rich goodness in this story. I I could honestly chat about this story until the cows go home. And it almost pains me to just pick one aspect, but that's what I'm going to do. And we're just going to look at how the father deals with separation, and particularly in the context of Christmas. That one aspect, um, as we see in verses 18 to 24, there's five things going on that I just want to highlight that show how the father um, faces that separation for all of us, as we start off, before, we, before we've given our lives to Jesus, how the Father is, is responding to us, how he is um, acting towards us. Number one, as we see in the story, the Father is waiting and looking for his son. Number two, the Father sees the son and responds before he's even close. The Father closes the gap. Number three, um, the Father runs to him. Now, has anyone actually bought a Galabea or a traditional Middle Eastern um, clothing, like a robe, and worn one? Stick up a hand if you've, Simon says stick up a hand if you've worn one. Is anyone? Okay, I have. Um, <laughs> and the one I've got, if I was to run in that, I would probably, well, I'd either be restricted or I'd break through the linen. I would have to do a real hitch up the knees job and then run in a very undignified way. Um, so. That's what I picture when I read this story. But even if he had a loose-fitting robe, which had been custom-made for running, I highly doubt because I don't think (laughs) patriarchal um, blokes did that back in the day, to be honest, from what we, we know. But this is an undignified, expressive, raw, passionate love that the father is showing when he runs to his son. Number four, the son who fully intends to say sorry... Can only get half his apology out before he's smothered with the father's arms. If you go back and look at the wording, you look at the prepared speech he's got, and then we read the dialogue that actually happens. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and earth, uh, sinned against heaven and you even. Um, and before he can say, Please just accept me like one of the hired servants, before he can even get that out, the father's like, Get the robe on, get the ring, bring chandals. This is my son. And that leads into the last point. The father automatically sees him as his beloved son. And just a couple of things on that. Um, so he's put a ring on his finger, and we're like, okay, cool. That's a bit weird, but sure. Um, scholars think with the ring that it would have a signet sort of sign on it. Um, so that when they're sealing wax, well, putting that in wax and sealing letters, that shows the emblem, and that shows the sign of that family. So he's automatically being given authority as a son, as a member of that family. Um, the best robe in the house. Well, who would have the best robe for a bloke in the house? It would be the dad. Top of the class. Um, they, it's all these signs, and, and this is why I love this book, because Tim just goes to town on this story. So please, just go for it, or we can have a chat sometime. I love this story. But this is full-blown. He does not see this boy as anything but his son. And here's the thing. If we think the son saved himself... We've totally missed the story. (laughs) All the power and authority in the situation was with the dad. And he opened the floodgates of love and forgiveness and acceptance. This is good news. This is not just yes, this is good news. This is good news. It's amazing. It's mind-blowing. It's something I've put my life on. And this is why we get excited about Christmas. This is why we get excited about Jesus being born in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. No more separation between us and him if we simply accept him with all our heart. And for those of you who maybe have have lived this out for decades, years, and you're thinking, yes, yes, I know this, yes, yes. We've got to really just enjoy this. We've got to let this sink deep. I can sometimes fall into that trap. I can be like, yep, yep, I know that, I know that. It's not all an intellectual knowledge test. It's actually where's your heart at? Yeah. So for me, Seb, this week, where are you at in accepting the Father's love? Story time. Next slide, please. That is, um, how are we doing on time? Oh, beautiful. Uh, that is the orchard uh, at the bottom of the row of houses. Um, one of the houses we live in 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 Bath, my family. Um, And there's a shared orchard amongst the terrace. And me and my brother, when we were younger, we would go down into this orchard and we would find planter canes like this. Um, And we just thought they were there for us, obviously, and had no functional purpose. And so we would take them out of the ground. And then there would be apple trees, a lot more than in this photo. This was taken last year, I think. Um, uh, Actually, if we could go to the next slide, please. Cool. So, this is another photo taken from the other day uh, in proper wintry bath. Um, so, that's the orchard here. This is quite handy having the pointer. And these trees are huge at the bottom of the orchard, particularly for preteen Seb, who is, I don't know, yay high. And what we would do is we would get an apple and we would take it off the tree and then we would get a cane. Oh, wrong end. Sorry, you didn't see that. Um, And then what we would do is we would face the trees at the back, those trees in the middle, and we would launch these apples over the tree line. Now, some of you are thinking, sweet. Others of you are thinking, what is on the other side of that tree line? A garden center is on the other side of that tree line. And so we'd be really focused on honing these apples over, and I'll demonstrate now. No, I won't. Um, and, um, and then you just hear these cries of indignation, cries of shock, anger, and it would be in that moment of realization that we'd actually succeeded quite well in launching them over. Um, yeah, that was me and my brother. Although, actually, I texted my family the other day about this, and Dad replied very interestingly. Um, he said... I used to get the small apples from our tree at Cuffley in in Hertfordshire and use a tennis racket to distribute them locally. Um, I stopped after one bracket small apple came down on the head of one of my parents' friends. Brackets no injury sustained. Good thing was she looked up to see where the apple had come from rather than over to where I was. (laughs) So I blame it in the genes. Um, Here's the thing. For those of you who know and follow Jesus already, you know that 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 separation. So, in this silly example between the orchard and and the garden center, was the tree line. You know that separation is gone and that has been flattened. So, speaking to, to those of you who feel in that position at the moment, but are there certain pockets of your life where you still feel like you're sat in the orchard alone, launching apples over the tree line without hope of reply? And maybe actually you just feel like the, sometimes when we went down, you just get the wrong cane or wrong technique, and the apples would just go into the trees all day long, and it would just be like, wow, oh, this is a waste of time. Are there pockets of areas of your, your life where you feel like that, maybe? Maybe these have been recently stirred up by the Hope and Joy series. And I suppose one of the things I would love us to, to get this morning is just to be comforted by the good news, comforted that actually Jesus is standing right next to you in that area. That the Father has closed the gap, that he has never left you. God has never left you and he is with you and he's speaking words into that area of your life. Yeah. Just as, as an example, I'll be raw and vulnerable um, appropriately. Um, I think one of these areas for me is sometimes I think, Flip, Lord, I know I've given my life to you and I don't mind if, if I've only got 35 years on this planet or if I'm single or whether I'm married, whether I've got kids or not kids, but I'm like, Flip, that's a really hard one to pray into sometimes. Sometimes I do feel like I'm just launching apples at the trees, and, and that's where maybe I've just got to not trust my emotions, pour out my emotions to God and not bottle, bottle them up. He knows what I'm thinking anyway, so I might as well tell him. Um, but yeah, that, that's just an example for me. And Don, do you want to... Donald, hello. Uh, do you want to come on up, mate? Um, and youth band, if you want to come on up and sign you, that would be awesome. Um, thanks. But for those who haven't become a Christian and don't know or follow God... Maybe you've never launched an apple over the tree line before. If apples are prayers, I should clarify in this analogy. Or well, you may feel like you've been launching apples over the tree line occasionally, looking for a favor from old mate in the sky, you know, big white beard, friendly. But it's not really that real connection. He's not your best mate, That's probably the best way of putting it. You don't really know him. And if you don't, no judgment, no judgment. We're just kind of being real about where we all are. Maybe you've been sitting in church for a while like that. Maybe you've grown up in church and got fed up with God, church, Christians, and walked away. But you found yourself here today. And I actually believe one of the things God is doing in this church is He is calling out to those who have, who have walked away for whatever reason. Uh, and I believe that He is just loving on them, He is calling them, He is closing the gap. Bottom line, it really is as simple as that story of the prodigal dad. We just let him love us, and he blows our socks off. And yeah, we come in that spirit of humility, and we say sorry for what we've done. But it really is that simple of of turning to him. And for those who have never done that before, I'd highly encourage it, (laughs) to say the least. And for those who have, maybe for years... Let's just enjoy that simplicity this morning. Let's enjoy the good news. Let's enjoy that as we go into the Christmas season so that when someone says Jesus came to earth, we're like, yes, Jesus came to earth. Safe from our own mess when we choose him. No more separation. Tree line absolutely flattened. He's with you and he'll never leave you. And Papa will be that parent who keeps hugging you and never lets go. It's a bit like when I get back home from, uh, well, this is home now, but when I go back to the UK, get to Heathrow Airport, and mum sees me and it just latches on. You know, (laughs) It's one of those hugs, Um, a real parental hug. That's the Christmas and Easter message to me, the two inseparable messages, that Jesus came to earth and he made a way back to the Father. He closed the gap and gave us a choice to accept or reject him and his love. Where's Don gone? Oh, there he is. Over to you, bro.
1: What a great message. How many of you got Christmas trees up and decorated already? Most of us. Cool. We've got all sorts of things that go onto trees, all sorts of decorations. But um, what we've got sorted for you this morning is a selection of... Four different kinds of ornament that you can put onto your tree. Can I have the um, that PowerPoint slide up there, please? So we've got the the heart, the X, the cross, and the question mark that Seb was talking about. And that's what we've been cutting out down the back there. And some of them we've cut out exactly in the in the shape, they're quite small. Other ones we've left, for instance, that's the cross one. We've left a bit more paper on on the outside of it. And the idea is for you to create some decorations that kind of reflect on what you've been hearing today. So for the X, what's separating you from the Father's love? For the question mark, what change do you want to see in your life now or in the coming year? For the cross knowing that the Father stands with open arms, how do you respond? When I think of the Father standing with open arms, it's the cross, isn't it? He laid, uh, probably, You probably heard those, that um, saying. He was on the cross. He stretched out his arms and said, this is how much I love you. He prepared to die by stretching his arms out. In the heart, what does the story of the Father's love tell you about how God sees you. So often we come into our own minds and go, well, I haven't done enough of this, and I haven't been to enough prayer meetings, and I haven't done that. I'm not really good enough for God. He can't love me that much. Rubbish. The way God sees you is the way that Seb described that father. He was prepared to pick up his garments and run, even if it's an awkward thing, to you before you've even got halfway there. So what does that story tell you about the father's love for you um, we've we've constructed a few the, if there's not enough there's plenty more in the in the containers and so feel free to either take them home or if you want to pop them on the tree there's a little bit of blue tack down there as well if you wanted to stick them onto that tree but I, I think it's a it's a kind of a pro, almost a prophetic act to to really genuinely look at what all those things are meaning? And actually go, do you know what? The story of Christmas is so pivotal to the answers of those questions. And we, we, we hear about the cross as the tree that Jesus died on. We have a tree. And in, in that prophetic act of coming to the tree and putting those things on the tree or taking them home and putting them on your own tree, you're saying, God, I'm, I need to look at Christmas again. That goes for those of us who have been Christians for a long time. It goes for those who've never known Jesus. Where is Christ in my Christmas this year? And I think Seb's done an amazing job of explaining those. So the bands are going to play. While they're playing, just in your own time, head up the back, find a couple of um, decorations, well four, one of, one of each of those shapes. We'll leave the, um, the slide up so you can be reminded of what those bits are. And just enjoy the music, let it soak and sink into your soul, into your spirit. And there's there's a whole lot of pens here as well. Feel free to to grab one of those and do as I've described.